checking out college football on the West Coast. This is Get Off My Pylon, a look at the Pac-12 and more. Part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Here's your host, Matt Zimmer. Welcome to the latest edition of the Get Off My Pylon College Football Podcast. This is Matt Zemek. Alex Blau uh, has the week off uh, going through a, a busy schedule for him this week. So it, I'm flying solo uh, this week. And uh, hey, so conference championship Saturday in the Pac-12 in the Mountain West. Let's review these two games. Also look ahead at the Bulls uh, and the playoff. Um, you know, obviously we'll be able to look at the Bulls even more. On next week's show, we'll get a preliminary look, but we start with Pac-12 and the Mountain West championship game. So, USC was up 17-3. to It had the ball at the Utah 39-yard line after a turnover, after a fumble recovery. Uh, USC's uh, turnover differential this year over plus uh, 20, and so the Trojans had a chance to get at least a 17-point lead with a field goal, a 21-point lead with a touchdown. And, you know, in terms of covering sports, that's not just college football, it's not just football in general, any sport. When you have a chance to put the boot on the throat, you need to do it. And it's it's not just a matter of, you know, seizing an opportunity in microcosm, but you don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the game. You don't know what's going to happen for the remainder of the competition. It's true in tennis. It's true in golf. It's true in basketball, baseball. You don't know what's around the bend. Like in a baseball game, if you don't get, uh, if you don't score at least two runs with the bases loaded and nobody out uh, up a run uh, in, in the fifth inning, and then the sixth inning, your pitcher gets hit by a comeback and he has to leave the game. And uh, then, then you have to go to your unreliable uh, middle relief guy uh, in the sixth, in the early seventh innings. Uh, and then the dynamic of the game is completely changed. Or take, for example, in tennis. You know, you have a break point to, to go up uh, in the third set, take a two sets to one lead, and get back into the match. You don't, you know, you have a sitter up, up at the net, but you net the volley, you butcher the volley, you lose that point, you don't get the break, you don't win the third set. Okay, you come back and you win the fourth set, but then the fifth set, you're dog-tired, uh, and, you know, because you didn't uh, win that third set, you could have won the match in four sets, but then in the fifth, you know, your body barks, maybe tweak a hamstring, pull a groin, and that's all she wrote. Uh, on and on and on and on. There are times when you can do something early in a game so that you don't have to live with small margins later in a game. And if you fail, that can make all the difference. And it certainly did for USC uh, in this game against Utah. Imagine if USC gets the 24-3 to lead. Imagine if the Trojans go up 21 points. You know, USC got a 14-point lead on Utah on October 15th in the first of these uh, two regular season meetings uh, between the teams. Went up by 14, but never went up by three scores. And so the Trojans could have gotten that extra bit of leverage, but they never did. And Utah came back, reeled in the Trojans, won it at the very end. Now this game, Utah didn't need to score a two-point conversion at the very end. The final score, 47-24, but the larger dynamic still proved true that USC was electric in the first 15, 18, 20 minutes of this game. That was very similar uh, to the to the October game in Salt Lake City. And then you saw the Utes, you know, pick themselves up midway through the second quarter. You saw the offense get going. You saw Dalton Kincaid 
gradually get into the game more and more. In this game, Utah's rushing attack uh, was more prominent than it was on October 15th. On October 15th, Utah threw for over 400 yards. It wasn't quite the explosion uh, in this game from the passing attack, but still plenty of big plays generated in the passing game and a lot more in the running game. Utah had the balance that Kyle Whittingham and offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig want. And the, the, the other commonality with point of commonality with the October 15 game was that USC just couldn't tackle, couldn't missed about 20 tackles in the, in the first game, missed 22 in this one. So yeah, that's part, that's a, that's a pretty consistent theme from Alex Grinch's defense. And let's talk about Alex Grinch for a little bit. Now you can say that guys were in position to make plays and they just didn't make them. And as far as that goes, you know, just in terms of a specific analysis in microcosm, that's true, all right? Guys were in position to make tackles, and they didn't make tackles. Like, that is correct. Like, there's there's no disagreeing with it. But when we get into the, the weight that we assign to various comments, the weight that we assign to various realities, you know, do we just take that comment at face value and assume that, you know, good – Grinch actually coached a good game, and it was just the players not making plays. It's That's a little too simplistic because as much as a coach's scheme might have worked or might have been right, uh, what also matters is which guys are being chosen to play and also which guys are being put in certain positions. Like Max Williams was not in a good position. He was not suited uh, to take on Utah's tight ends. Uh, but that was a matchup that Alex Grinch was willing to live with. Now, you could say in return that, hey, USC did not have great options on defense, and that might be true, and that is part of the larger conversation with USC and Alex Grinch. But nevertheless, like, did he settle on the best uh, personnel for the, the various matchups and the problems and the limitations that he faced in this game? And plus, Dalton Kincaid destroyed USC in the first game, Alex Grinch was rightly embarrassed by that. This was a time to show that, you know, USC could actually learn, that it could evolve, that it could do a lot more damage control against the Utes. And fundamentally, USC failed it in that regard. So you give a lot of credit to Dalton Kincaid, but you also say, you know what? I mean, if our guys were in position to, to make tackles and they missed them, uh, the fact that it happened a second time against the same opponent you know, in terms of the team, Utah, and also in terms of a specific player, Dalton Kincaid, uh, who did a lot of damage, uh, you know, it does speak to a li limit in personnel, limitations in terms of what USC was able to achieve on defense this year. But when it's the same opponent uh, in, a, in a second game, in a, in a rematch, um, that also speaks to, you know, the defensive coordinator not ultimately finding solutions and we also have to say, on a coaching staff, any coaching staff in football, whose responsibility is it to make sure that the defense tackles well? I mean, to a certain extent, it's the head coach. Uh, obviously, if the head coach is a defense-first guy, you would assign uh, some more responsibility and, and significance to the head coach in terms of teaching a defense to tackle. So to a certain extent, that falls on Lincoln Riley. But, of course, Lincoln Riley is not a defense-first coach. He's an offense-first coach. And so one can reasonably say that Alex Grinch, more than anyone else, on the USC coaching staff is responsible for teaching his players to tackle well 
make sure that tackling technique is where it should be. And after a season in which tackling technique, especially in the second half of the season from mid-October through late November, was lacking, um, you know, to see tackling regress basically to the same point that it was on October 15th uh, against Utah, that, that would certainly indicate that teaching technique in terms of tackling was not done to the level that it could have been or should have been. And Alex Grinch has to wear that. And by extension, Lincoln Riley has to wear that in terms of saying, hey, I'm riding with Alex Grinch. He's my guy at defensive coordinator. Uh, I'm sticking with Alex Grinch, even though I you know, could have hired other defensive coordinators to join me uh, at USC for the 2022 season. Uh, Lincoln Riley, in the eyes of many, settled for Alex Grinch. And you know, we went into the season thinking, you know what? USC doesn't have the dudes on defense. You know, it doesn't have the depth. It doesn't have the across-the-board quality. And that's that's why people didn't think USC was going to get to 11 wins. That's why a lot of pundits and prognosticators and, and publications did not think that USC was going to make the Pac-12 championship game. This is why this season, uh, on a lot of levels, was viewed as overachievement for USC, precisely because there wasn't awareness that the defense wasn't all there yet. It wasn't a college football playoff roster. It This this team did not have a college football playoff level ceiling. In the end, that conventional wisdom proved to be right. Uh, but, but it also doesn't mean that Alex Grinch gets a free pass. I mean, he didn't do a bad job this year. The defense won the Oregon State game on September 24th, week four in Corvallis. Uh, the defense was excellent uh, against Washington State in week six on October 8th, uh, shutting out the Cougars in the second half and allowing only 14 points in that particular game. So, like, the defense had a significant hand in winning a couple of very important games this season. That's a couple more games than we thought. You know, it didn't seem as though the defense was in position to win any game at any point this season, uh, it won two. So you, you could say that Alex Grinch still did a little bit better than what the preseason expectations were. But of course, when you're one win away from the playoff as USC was, and the defense pulls that kind of clunker in a big moment, and Utah absolutely dominates this game, totally physically superior from start to finish, you're going to get questions about Alex Grinch, and you should get questions about Alex Grinch. And to be fair to Alex Grinch, like we know he wasn't inheriting a stock roster, a loaded defense. So, you know, that 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 is something that we all knew and that never changed over the course of the season. Uh, but in many ways, at what point is Lincoln Riley satisfied with the performance of his defense? At what point is it more about Lincoln Riley accepting Alex Grinch and less about Alex, Alex Grinch himself? And this gets to a fundamental question as USC stares at its offseason. You know, if Lincoln Riley was to let go of Alex Grinch, and I don't think he will, and I think it's okay if he if he retains him for 2023. I would say that 2023 is a real prove-it-or-else moment for Alex Grinch. But let's say that Lincoln Riley does let Alex Grinch go. Some people would say, oh, it's a betrayal of Alex Grinch. It would be backstabbing. You know, Lincoln Riley has stuck with Alex Grinch for four seasons. That is a lot of loyalty 
That is a lot of, of fidelity in a cutthroat profession. The idea that Alex, that Lincoln Riley has to keep uh, Alex Grinch uh, instead of, you know, lest he be seen as, you know, a, you know, an, a Brutus, you know, et tu Brute, uh, you know, a real betrayer uh, of a relationship, that is overplayed. Like Lincoln Riley has already given Alex Grinch more of a foothold uh, in this business at high level programs than many other coaches would have done. If Lincoln Riley can find an opening in the coaching carousel to get a defensive coordinator better than Alex Grinch, he should do it. That is his job. His job is to win games. His job is to win national championships. His job is to make college football playoffs. There is no, uh, I think, uh, ethic of uh, loyalty uh, in, in which Lincoln Riley is somehow beholden and morally obligated to the idea that you know he has to stay with Alex Grinch for 2023. I think it's fair if he does it, um, but I don't think like he would be breaking any kind of sacred trust. And the thing with Alex Grinch, I'm not saying he's a bad defensive coordinator because you know he's been asked to clean up messes. He had to clean up a mess this year from last year's USC defense, which was empirically much worse. Uh, uh, than than this year's so like he, he he improved something that was bad but merely improving something that's bad that's not the same as creating a great defense which he obviously didn't do and that's that is the lingering question with Grinch is that he makes bad defenses moderately better but not spectacular and he doesn't make defenses great uh, so he's he's in that limbo where okay he takes something bad and he makes it better than it was before but he certainly doesn't create an elite product. So he's not a bad coordinator, but he's not an elite coordinator. And at USC, shouldn't you want an elite coordinator, or at least someone who has conclusively proven that he's elite? Alex Grinch could, in the course of time, become elite. But when do we get to a point where we say, you know, he just doesn't measure up with the very best, and we can't always say, oh, he has limited personnel. Oh, he doesn't have the dudes. Just at what point? Uh, is the Alex Grinch conversation going to change at USC? More on the Pac-12 championship game, this time from the Utah side, after this break. College football fans, we know that with the season uh, winding down, and we have Army-Navy, and then we go to the bowl game, if you're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices, and we want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. Uh, buying college football tickets online requires trust, Ticket Smarter is partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They've also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner and with the best selection of NCAA football tickets for the bowl games. Coming up, Ticket Smarter makes sure that fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live. Purchase your bowl game tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we have an additional offer for those listening to all our podcasts on College Gridiron Coast to Coast. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just for one-time use. Use it throughout the bowl games going into early January. So check out the selections and pricing with Ticket Smarter. And remember our code, Gridiron22. Think smarter at Ticket Smarter. All right. So the Utah side. Now, USC had a key injury in this game, which we didn't know about until a few hours before the game. 
Andrew Voorhees, USC's best offensive lineman, was out. Now, Utah, of course, no Brant Queefy uh, on offense. Uh, Tavion Thomas left the team. And also on defense, Van Fillinger and Jonah Ellis, two prime members of the defensive front. They were out. They were not uh, part of this game. So it's not as though Utah was working with a fully loaded defensive line. Uh, but when USC lost Andrew Voorhees, that definitely evened things up in terms of the matchup between USC's offensive line and Utah's defensive front. And what happened? Utah's what Utah had in terms of its backups on the on the defensive front four was a lot better than USC's offensive line, and particularly backup Mason Murphy, who got manhandled at right tackle, uh, due, having to fill, fill in there with Voorhees out. So Utah's backups were better than USC's backups. And of course, when Caleb Williams got injured, you know, and his mobility was limited, he needed a, a comfortable pocket in which to throw. USC's offensive line with Voorhees out could not deliver that. But that is also a credit to Utah having backups ready to play, having backups who were stronger, more physical, more powerful than USC. And so that in many ways is the real story of the Pac-12 championship game, that Utah had better depth. Utah had more physical depth. Utah, what Utah has established steadily over time under Kyle Whittingham, it was a better quality of depth uh, further down the roster, further down the depth chart than what Lincoln Riley was able to do in one year. Now, make no mistake, Lincoln Riley doing what he did in one year, spectacular, seven more wins than last year. But Utah was uniquely equipped to expose USC's lack of depth. And that is really the true triumph of the youth, that all the program building that Kyle Whittingham has done, it really paid off in spades in this game against USC. Utah had the physicality, the culture, and the ability to rise up in big moments uh, that USC didn't quite match. Kyle Whittingham, you know, let's remember, Utah lost the Pac-12 championship game in 2018 and 2019 lost in 2018 to Washington, scoring only three points. Look where the Utah offense has come. Look how far that, that offense has come over the past four years. Utah used to have a very unreliable offense in big games, and now that Utah offense was extremely reliable in a big game. It was also very good against Oregon in last year's Pac-12 championship game. So we've seen the evolution of Kyle Whittingham. It wasn't always this way at Utah. Now the Utah now the offense and now the line play are much more reliable on both sides of the ball in really big games. And that is why the Utes are back-to-back Pac-12 champions, clearly deserving of their place uh, in a second consecutive Rose Bowl where they'll play Penn State. All right, guys, with the college football season heading to the bowls, you want a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like BetUS. BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for over 25 years thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely. We want you to go to BETUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have on our shows from College Gridiron Coast to Coast. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in, you get an additional $125 to play with. Put $200 in, you get $250. You can do the math. BetUS also has the NFL, the NBA, college basketball. We're heading to the World Cup quarterfinals. Anything else you'd like to try uh, your, your luck at uh, in the world of sports betting? 
So for college football fans, you've been with us all season long. Go to BetUS. Check them out at BETUS.com. And remember that 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS. You bet. You win. You get paid. All right. So the Mountain West Championship. Now, the Mountain West had a brutal season. And, it, you know, the, the champion of the Mountain West in 2022 has four losses. That's the kind of year it was for the conference, all right? There was no except, exceptional team, no team that, you know, transcended, no team that was in the hunt for the Group of Five championship, which is won by Tulane, which is going to play uh, USC in the Cotton Bowl. But a great story. Jeff Tedford has recently dealt with health problems. He had to step away from coaching. So been through a tough time personally, not able to do what he loves doing. And then Jake Hayner, injured for significant portions of each of the last two seasons. He was out earlier this year when Fresno State lost to Connecticut and really hit rock bottom. Both of those men battled back. Both of those men endured so much. They went through the valleys. They went through the tough times. And here they are on the other side of the mountain. Fresno State demolishes Boise State, led 28-9 at one point, finishes off a 28-16 win in Boise on the blue turf to win the Mountain West Championship, just a triumph of the human spirit, a triumph over adversity. And we throw that around. It could be a cliche, but it's really true for Jeff Tedford and Jake Hayner, all that they've been through. They've been through a ton, and they were both very emotional and very grateful uh, on the field in Boise after that uh, Mountain West Championship win. So a, a rocky and difficult season for the Mountain West but a very satisfying storybook style ending uh, for that program and for its two leaders, the head coach, Tedford, and the quarterback, Jake Hayner. All right, bowl games, just a few uh, general thoughts. Um, one, the Pac-12 has Oregon State playing Florida uh, in, the, in the Vegas Bowl. Now, that, that seemed to be a very interesting matchup, but then we've had Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback, enter the transfer portal. So that takes a little bit of the luster out of that game, but it also means that Oregon State better win that game. If you're going against a Florida team without Anthony Richardson, you have to win that game. Well, speaking of Fresno State and also the two conferences that we follow on Get Off My Pylon, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network, we have Fresno State and Washington State uh, in the L.A. Bowl. Now that is going to be a very interesting pre-Christmas bowl. There are seven bowl games on December 17th. That might be the best one of the bunch, especially with Anthony Richardson no longer being part of uh, the, the Vegas Bowl with Florida uh, and Oregon State. So Fresno State, Washington State, that is a game you'll definitely want to watch. Let's remember that Jake Hayner used to be at Washington, used to be a Husky. So he knows what the Apple Cup is like. And now he gets to go against uh, the Washington State Cougars. Uh, Oregon in the Holiday Bowl against North Carolina, that could be a fun shootout. And it does seem that Oregon quarterback Bo Nix is going to be playing in that game. Uh, so Utah lands in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. I love Utah in that game. Utah's defense should be able to shut down Sean Clifford of Penn State. Utah has the much better quarterback in that game with Cam Rising. Uh, so that's a game that I expect Utah and the Pac-12 uh, to take care of. UCLA against Pitt in the Sun Bowl. That's a game that UCLA should definitely win. And Pitt quarterback Keaton Slovis, formerly at USC, he has transferred out of the program. So that so Pitt is going to be down a, a quarterback there. Um, so you know the Pac-12 really has a lot of 
favorable uh, bowl matchups. You also have Washington going against Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Steve Sarkeesian coaching against the Huskies, where, which used to employ him. Uh, that is going to be a very entertaining game. A lot of offensive playmakers there. Um, so you go up and down the list uh, of Pac-12 bowl games. Uh, the Pac-12 really has to like its chances uh, in many of them. All right, more on the bowl games next week, but that's that's really the rundown for this week's show. I'll get off my pile. I'm part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Be sure to check the College Gridiron Coast to Coast feed on Red Circle. You can listen on Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, listen to all your favorites uh, for bowl previews. And this week, listen to Yards and Stripes, Army, Navy preview. You want to listen to Yards and Stripes, the Service Academy podcast, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network for more on Army, Navy. All right, I'm Matt Zemek. I'll see you next week for a fuller bowl preview right here on Get Off My Pylon. We'll see you next week.